Last time uh, we talked about peace, and it's, you know, it's the peace that Jesus gives to us. We've got to have his peace. We, we must have his peace, and, and uh, the ways that we get it, of course, are we trust him, and we, he gives us peace. We pray, and he gives us peace. We follow him, and we do it his way, and we have peace. When, we, when we're not trusting him, when we're not praying, we're just trying to do our own thing, don't be surprised that our lives are are lacking peace. There's no peace there. Today, uh, we're going to look at verse 30 in John chapter 14, and really it's talking about the prince of this world, the enemy, and he's also known as who? Satan, Satan or the devil. And, and you know, I want to say this in the, in the, right in the beginning here. I don't like to give him undue credit or undue attention. I don't like to focus on him. I was involved in groups that that's what they focused on all the time. And, and, but it's a reality, and we are in a war, and I think we don't realize how serious the warfare is. And just as I've been looking at this this week and, and kind of keeping it to myself and thinking about what's going on here, I've, I've you know been a little bit more aware of spiritual warfare and, and things that have been going on around. And, and I think truly... Our nation is in a spiritual battle. There is spiritual war for the very soul of our nation. But it's also true for, for just life and, and, and the relationships that we have as well. We don't un- understand how serious that it really is. But at the same time, I want to focus on who the victor is. Because... Because there's no comparison, okay? We're going to talk about it. Let's look at, at John chapter 14. We're only going to look at verse 30. And then next week we're moving into John chapter 15. We've kind of covered different subjects and topics in chapter 14. Uh, verse 30, Jesus says, I will not speak with you much longer. For the prince of this world is coming. And he has no hold on me. The prince of this world is coming. He has no hold on me. Notice he says, I'm not going to talk to you much longer about any of these things. That, that There's stuff that's going on now, and time is short. And I think it's, it was true then, but it's also true now, that time is short. We need to pay attention. We need to listen to what Jesus is trying to say. Listen carefully that there is a, a war and that the prince of this world is very real. Jesus spoke about him as a very real being. It wasn't something made up. It wasn't some kind of illusion. But this is, this is my key verse for this battle. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. If you look back to verse 17 and, and remind you of a study we did a couple of weeks back, verse 17, uh, let's start in verse 16. He says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be what? In you. He will be in you. And and, 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 uh, John, in 1 John chapter 4, and I like this 4-4, it's like a 44 to the in the spiritual battle. It's a weapon that we have in the spiritual battle. The greater is he that is in us us, that is God by his Holy Spirit, than he that's in the world. There's no comparison. It's not like, you know, two equals side by side. And we'll, we're, we'll get to that in a minute. 
But greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Jesus said the prince of this world is coming. And, and, and we know what's going on. This is the upper room leading up to the, the cross and, and, and everything that was going to take place. And, and the prince of the world was coming and he had a plan, right? He had a plan and it was to get rid of Jesus. And he used this guy, Judas. We've talked about that. He had this plan. He was coming for Jesus. But you know what? He had a plan, but guess who had a better plan? God had a better plan. It was a much bigger plan. It was a much greater plan. And that all that Satan had planned would actually turn out very differently than what he thought. Right? Very, very differently. In fact, the cross itself was the victory. He thought he was getting rid of Jesus, but in fact, he was, he was bringing about the greatest victory. And, and the NIV study Bible says that the cross would seem to be his triumph. In fact, it was his defeat, and out of it would flow the greatest good ever to come to the world. So, so even, even the plans that Satan tries to put into play, God you know, will always overcome and will always bring about a greater plan, the greater good. Again, uh, not to downplay the reality of the spiritual war, but to, I want to upplay the greatness of our God and that, that what he's doing is, is absolutely incredible. Now, Jesus wasn't forced. Uh, Satan didn't force him to the cross, right? Jesus went willingly. He went willingly in love, and we already saw that, that because he loved the Father, he obeyed what the Father wanted, and that's what we're called to do, follow that example. We love we love God and we will follow his commands. We'll do what he commands. But Jesus said, this is really the second time Jesus talks about the prince of this world. In chapter 12, it says he'll be driven out. Here in chapter 14, it says he has no hold over Jesus. And then in chapter 16, it says he stands condemned. His end, he's, he's already condemned, okay? But Notice what he says there. He says, he has no hold on me. He has no hold on me. No means how much? None. Zero. He has no hold on me. And, and some have, have talked about it like this. Not, not only does he have no hold on Jesus, but he has nothing on him. He has, he has nothing that he can point to, and i got this on you now. He's got no claim over him, zero whatsoever. David Gusick said Jesus could confidently, truth, truthfully say that Satan had absolutely no hook, no hook, no guilt in Christ. Why is that? Because of who he is and was. He was the sinless son of God. There was no sin that he committed. There was nothing that, that Satan could point to. I got you now. It says in Hebrews that he offered himself unblemished to God. It says in 1 John chapter 3, it says he appeared so that he might take away our sins and in him is no sin. So he had nothing on Jesus, Satan did. He had no hold over him. He had nothing he could, you know, work against him. And I don't know about you, but when I, when I think about that, I think, okay, but that's Jesus. What about me? What about you? Can you say that? Can you say that? Can honestly say he's got nothing on me? 
we're we're sin we're sinners, right? We're we're all we're all sinners. We're saved by grace, and that's why I think we have to understand the battle is only won through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because if it's you or me against Satan, we're done. We're finished. It says in Revelation chapter twelve, verse eleven, it says this that that they overcame him, that is the enemy, the devil, how? By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. You see, it's, it's not by what they did, it's not by what we do, it's, but it's by what Jesus did and the fact that he, Satan had no hold over him, and because we're in Christ and Christ is in us, he has no hold over us. That's very important for us to understand because he will come and he will condemn and he, and he has all these different things that he wants to do against us. But we have to say, no, Jesus, I, I have been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ and I am a born again believer and you have no hold over me because of what Jesus did. Not because of what I do, because I blew it yesterday. I blew it, you know, 10 minutes ago. The enemy says, go, oh yeah, there you go. No, the truth. Again, it doesn't go by what we feel or what we see, but what the promises of God are. The greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Are you with me so far? Can anybody say amen? Because this is big stuff, you know. We, we face this battle and we don't even realize it. It's unseen. It talks about that. It's unseen in, in Ephesians chapter 6. So greater is he that is in you that is in you than he who is in the world. So, so who, is this, who is this prince of this world? There's a great website called Got Questions. Any of you ever been there? Gotquestions.org. Great website, you know. Uh, and guess what they do there? <laughs> You're amazing. You're so smart. You're amazing, you people. So... So I went to Got Questions, and, and, and he says this. Is he, is, is he a, a red guy with horns? Is he not a real person, just the personification of evil? These are some of the, the current things. I remember Keith Green. Any of you remember Keith Green? He wrote a song, you know, the, that they don't believe in me anymore, speaking about Satan. They don't, they don't believe I exist anymore. Will Jesus believe that he exists? That he existed? But they go on to say in, in God Questions, they say that, that Satan, the prince of this world, he is an angelic being. Understand this. He's an angel who fell from his position in heaven due to sin and is now completely opposed to God, doing all in his power to thwart God's purposes. And he will do anything and everything in his power to oppose God and those who follow after God. That's who we're talking about here. He's not, you know, as the, as the world said, this guy, you know, with, you know, with a, a pitchfork or whatever and, you know, horns and red and all that. No, he is a, he's an angelic being. You can look and read about passages like Isaiah chapter 14 and it, it talks about uh, this being who fell from heaven and the reason he fell was because of his pride because of his ambition, and, and, and he fell. And then in Ezekiel chapter 28, you can also go and read about, and, and, and many believe that he's, that he's speaking there about 
uh, Satan because it talks about Lucifer, that he had perfection, that he was beautiful, that he had this incredible wisdom, that he had been in Eden, that he was the anointed cherub. It says, but then wickedness was found in him. And he was driven out. He was, he was expelled. He's a fallen angel. You see, he is an angel and, and, and one of the, uh, uh, you know, higher up angels, if you will, up there, you know, with Michael and Gabriel. These are angels that are spoken about in the scripture, right? But he fell. He's a fallen angel. And, and it says that he also took like a whole group of angels with him. So it's not just him. He's called the prince of this world. He's called the god of this world. He's called the prince of the power of the air. But one of, one of the biggest points, and, I, and, I, and I, when I talk to folks about this, I, I always get this impression. Not always, but, but very frequently I get this impression that what, how they see Satan is like the evil counterpart of Jesus. So you got Jesus over here, and Satan over here, and they're kind of like equal. It's just one is good and one is evil. Now, is that true? It's true that one is good and one is evil, but there's no comparison. One is an angelic being, meaning a created being. And Jesus is God Almighty himself, uh, an eternal, the eternal God never, you know, uh, has always existed. There is like... You know, by an infinite magnitude of difference between the two. It's not like Star Wars. You know, you have the, the, the dark side. And what's the other side called? I don't even remember. But you had the good side. What's it called? The, the force. And then the dark side. And they're always battling with each other. The truth of the matter is, is that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Greater is he who is in you. I want to keep bringing that up because I want that to stick in your mind and your heart. Greater is he who is in you by an infinite magnitude than he that's in the world. Greater, greater, greater. Get it. you got to understand this. Some of the plans and purposes that Satan tries, that he uses, he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. We saw that, John 10, 10. He wants to trap people. He definitely wants to bring fear. He has this false worldly wisdom. He prowls around like a roaring lion. He leads the world astray, it says in Revelation chapter 12, which also tells us that he has fallen angels that are following him. He, he's testing, he's tempting. He tried it with Jesus as well. And, what, and who won there? I mean, Satan was defeated. He was defeated there. He was defeated at the cross. He's defeated at every turn. What's interesting, though, to remember is when Jesus had this battle with Satan in chapter 4, Luke chapter 4, how did he fight him? What did he use? The Word of God. He used Scripture, and that's why you and I need to hide the Word in our hearts so that we can fight this battle. We, if, we, if you have no Scripture in you, in, in your life, mind, heart, and soul, you're, you're just a sitting duck. Oh. And Satan, Satan is the father of lies. You think he's going to come and tell you the truth? I'm here to fight you and take you down now. 
No, he's going to come in deception. Luke chapter 22, Jesus said to Peter, he said, you know, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. You ever feel like you're getting sifted like wheat? But Jesus said, but I have prayed for you. But I have prayed for you. And, and, and when you turn around, when you come through this thing, you're going you know, to uh, help other people through what they face. You're going to strengthen the brethren. And you've turned back. He says, I pray that your faith would not fail. See, he's praying for you. Now, we go through these trials and tests and troubles. But Jesus is the victor. And, and one more thing I'll say uh, about this enemy, this prince of the world, is to deal with his end. There is an end coming for him, right? At some point in time, he would be bound for a thousand years, Revelation tells us, and then set free for a short period of time. But then, at the end, he will be thrown into the lake of fire forever and ever. In fact, in Matthew 24 or 25, it says that the eternal fire was prepared for the devil and his angels. So, you know, his time is short. And he knows that, that it's not all going to work the way he wants to. He's, he's way smarter than you and I are. But his time is short. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. One of the, some of the things, these are some of the things that I want to, that I, that I found. And again, uh, you know, I, I'm going through all this in like 30 minutes, but this is a, this is a lifetime of, of fighting battles that you and I need to, to fight the good fight. Paul said at the end of his life, he said, you know, I fought the good fight. I've kept the faith. I've finished the race. And, and for you and I. So number one there in Ephesians chapter 4, he says, don't give the devil a foothold. Don't give him any, any room. Don't give him any place. And it's interesting, the context in that is really about anger and unforgiveness. Anger and unforgiveness. When you and I are, are, are consumed with anger and we're not willing to forgive, the, it's a little footfold for the, for the enemy to get in there and, and, and work havoc in our lives. Be careful we don't let anger take control. Be careful that we are not people who are not willing to forgive because we've been forgiven. He says the, in James chapter 4 to resist the devil and he will flee from you. Again, this is a promise in the scripture. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So, so it doesn't go by what we feel or what, what we see but what the promises of God, God are, that, that he will flee. He must. Why? Because that's what, that's what the word of God says. Now, just before that, it's, the context is also important here. It says that first we submit ourselves to God. We don't just go walking around, you know, doing our own thing, and then we're just going to, you know, resist the devil. No, the first thing we do is to submit ourselves to God, humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, and then we're in a place where we can resist the devil, and he must flee. He must. He has to. Jude, chap, uh, Jude verse 9, no chapters in the book of Jude is there. It says that the, the archangel... Michael, he was disputing, he was having this argument uh, with 
the devil, and he says he wasn't going to get into this battle kind of thing, and I think we need to be careful that we're not going to get in this battle, and when our prayers turn out to be, we're praying to Satan, because we're, you know, all we're doing is rebuking, and we're doing all this stuff. We need, we need to just simply say, the Lord rebuke you. Not, I'm, I, can't, I don't have anything to rebuke the, the enemy with, but the Lord does. And the power of the Lord, the power of the cross, the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. That's where the power is. There's power, power, wonder-working power. Where? In the blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 6, we sang about it. We need to stand against the schemes. And another passage says we're not ignorant of his schemes. He's, work, he's got all kinds of stuff going. We're not, you know, I, I think the, the, we, we should be more and more aware of, of different things that happen in, play, in ways that we, you know, are attacked and say we're, we're, we're not unaware of that. And I see that coming and, I, and I, need to, I need to prepare myself. And how do you do that? You put on the armor of God, all the armor. All of the armor of God. We have to put on the belt of truth, right? The breastplate of righteousness. Now my mind's going blank. The feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. The the shield of faith, thank you. The helmet of salvation. The sword of the spirit and prayer. These are things that we need to to have on, or, or, or we're just sitting ducks. The whole armor of God. The whole armor of God. I want you to turn with me. Uh, we have time. I want you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. And he speaks about it there. Ephesians chapter 2, if you will, verses 1, starting in verse 1. Ephesians chapter 2. Paul kind of giving us the the whole picture here, really, about this, what's happened and and where we stand. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, he says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and, get this, of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature, our flesh, and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. You see, he used to be our boss. We used to follow him. We used to follow the ways of the world. Paul is saying, we were dead. We were right there. And this is, this is who our boss was. The ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who's now working those who are disobedient. But it doesn't stop there. Thank God it doesn't stop there. Verse 4, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. He just goes on and on here, incredible, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. That's like a whole mouthful there of what he's done for us. But we used to be in that place, but we're changed, we're saved, we're given a brand new life. 
God's given us the Spirit. He's given us His Holy Spirit. And greater is He that is what? In me than he that's in the world. You know, I, I, as I mentioned earlier, I was involved with a group early on in my Christian life, and they, they, they kind of dealt with this thing that, that even Christians could have demons living inside of them. And, and, and you know what? All it created was a bunch of fear. But you know what? You know what changed everything for me is that verse. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. It doesn't say greater is he that is in you than he that is in you. Right? It doesn't say that. So what am I going to hold on to? What somebody says or what God's word says? It always gets back to that, you know. He's done an incredible work. And you and I, we now serve and we love the Creator, the Lord God Almighty. And we're going to heaven. We're going there forever. And, and no matter what He throws at us, it, uh, Paul tells us that all things work together for good to them that love God that are the called according to His purposes. He's going to work it out. But you and I, we need to be awake. We need to be on our toes. It's a spiritual battle. And, 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 and you know what? Often I find when things are just going on that I, that I don't understand, that I can't see, so often later after the fact, I see that was a spiritual battle that I was going through there. You don't always see it right when you're in the middle of it. Don't give the devil a foothold. Resist him. Submit to God. Don't fight in our own strength. Fight in the Lord's strength and stand. We've got to stand. Let's pray together, shall we?